Sing this with me. Ring around the rosy. Ashes, ashes. Yeah, you still got it. There's some discrepancy on what that song really means and what it's all about. And what many believe that it was written about is is a nursery rhyme. It was about the Black Plague or the bubonic plague that swept across Europe in the 1300s. Really kind of a sad song to go from talking about death being defeated now to talking about death. But ring around the rosy was that those that were infected with the plague got a round ring, a rosy red ring on their skin. A pocket full of posies talks about rose petals. An old wife's tale suggested that if you put some rose petals in your pocket, it would ward off the, the disease. Maybe you wouldn't get it. And so just kind of a hopeful thing, people put rose petals in their pockets. Ashes was actually, uh, uh, they say, well, it could mean one or two things. They would have to burn the bodies of those who caught the disease and died in order to try to get rid of the disease, get it out of the community. Or others suggest ashes was actually the sound of someone sneezing. They would sneeze because when you got the disease, one of the accompanying symptoms was you would sneeze often. We all fall down. We think we know what that means, right? And that is that if you caught the disease, death was pretty much imminent for you. The Black Plague knew no boundaries. It didn't know age. It was no respecter of persons. It didn't care your age, whether you were a grandma or grandpa, mom or dad, young boy, young girl, teenager. It didn't care if you had aspirations in life and goals in life to meet, whether you had an education, income, or none. It didn't care. Today, there remains a black plague of a different kind, affecting billions of people with far greater consequences than any physical disease. It is the plague of unbelief. The plague of disbelief. It knows no boundaries and it's spreading like crazy, like a wildfire, leaving people of every age, from every nation, broken hearted in life and void of the abundant life that only Jesus can give. It's the plague of disbelief in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, who died for our sins and was buried and who rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I love Acts chapter 4, 33, because when you read through Acts and you see the early church functioning and you see how the apostles went about preaching and teaching, what did they preach? What did they teach? The main theme was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was as if they felt they had nothing else to say other than that Jesus died and was buried, but he rose again the third day. Their message was a message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And who could refute it? After all, the gospel was accompanied by many signs and miracles wrought on by the Holy Spirit. I want you to be finding John chapter 20 because today we're going to look at some of the first statements of the risen Savior. Some of the first statements He made written here in the book of John. Words that we can build our life on. Truths that we can build our lives on. After Jesus died, they took His body down from the cross. And they went to a garden where he was buried in a tomb. Luke tells us several women followed them as they went to that tomb. And they watched as they laid Jesus in the tomb. Because the Jewish Sabbath was beginning, they were in somewhat of a rush. 
As sundown was approaching, they needed to bury his body in the tomb. And then they needed to get home to celebrate the Jewish Sabbath and not do any work to, to do as the scripture would say. And so that was approaching upon them quickly. And because the Sabbath would not end until dark the next day, they planned to return the first morning after the Sabbath, which to us would be Sunday morning. And when they returned on that Sunday morning, they found the stone rolled away and they found the tomb empty. All that was there were his garments. So they went to tell the disciples. And as they told the disciples, the Bible says John and Peter went running to the tomb. And they looked in and they saw that it was empty. They went back home. Read with me now, picking up on verse 11 in John chapter 20. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? So here we find Mary sitting outside the tomb, distraught, disappointed, discouraged, having witnessed all that had taken place these last few days leading up to this moment. Her heart filled with pain, knowing that he had died and that she would never, ever see him again. But the first known words Jesus spoke after rising from the dead, he spoke to her. And here's what he asked her. He said this, Why are you weeping? Why are you crying? Mary, what's going on? Why are you so sad? You know, every person who was close to Jesus was hurting. Everyone who had given up their lives to follow him, they were hurting. Especially Mary. She wasn't Mary, the mother of Jesus. We know she had to be hurting too. This is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was from the village of Magdala. She was one of a group of women who committed their lives to following Jesus after he changed her life. And they followed him during his earthly ministry, ministering, helping out any way that they could. When she met Jesus, she was under demonic oppression. When Mary Magdalene met Jesus, not only was she demon-possessed, the Bible says she had seven demons. Seven. Now, I can't imagine someone having a demon. We, throw, we float that around a lot. Well, this is one of my demons, you know. No, no, no. If you were demon-possessed, buddy, everybody would know it. She had not one, two, three. She had seven. And Jesus comes to her. And they... They meet and he changes her life. He casts the demons out of her that had her so enslaved and he sets her free. And I want you to know she is living proof of the scripture that says whoever the son has set free shall be free indeed. So Mary committed her life to following Jesus and to serving him however she could. She was there when Jesus hung on the cross. She was there standing next to Jesus's mother also named Mary. She was there when they took his body down off the cross. She was there following as they led, uh, took his body 
to a tomb. She was there. And to find the body of her Lord and Savior somehow missing, it was more than she could bear. She's distraught. She's saddened. Verse 9 tells us what the main problem is, however. Verse 9 says they didn't understand the Scripture, that Jesus must rise from the dead. And what we fail to understand, what we fail to remember, often will lead us to heartache. We're to know what the Word says, and we're to feast on the Word of God, and we're to live according to the Word of God by faith. Just a few years after we'd been married, someone gave Crystal and I an old chest of drawers. They were actually people who lived when we were at seminary just a few doors down. They were from Chile, and they were going back to Chile as missionaries there, and so they needed to get rid of all that they had accumulated those few years while attending seminary so they didn't have to pay the exorbitant amount to ship it all the way to Chile. It was just cheaper to rebuy. And so they were giving away a bunch of furniture, and they gave us this old little chest of drawers and we thought you know that's going to be cute we're about to have a child that will work in the nursery we'll refurbish it and so one day I got busy working on that and I'd stripped and scraped all day long on that old paint using that stripper stuff I'd pull it pour it on there and let it sit for a while and I'd get to scraping and I'm telling you that paint was not going to budge It was so hard and so old. So I decided I would just let all this dry, and the next day I was going to get after it with some heavy-duty sandpaper. And I'd just sand it off by hand. I sanded a layer off, there's another layer. I get that layer down, there's another layer. There were five layers of paint on this old little chest of drawers. I was so ready to throw it away and just forget about the whole thing. And my fingers were worn to the nubs. It was hot. I was in the yard there, and there was a little drive that came up beside the rent house, right up even with the backyard. And there I was behind the house when Crystal came home from work. And she saw me just out there sweating, saw this, uh, all this dust all over me and everything. And I said, man, this is just, I am worn completely out. And she said, Crispin, did you forget the electric sander I bought you for Christmas? I'm telling you, my whole countenance changed. I felt so frustrated. I had forgotten that she had gotten me a sander. And you know what? She got me a sander because I asked for a sander. And I forgot. It was 20 feet away in the storage building. And I'm working myself, my fingers to the nubs on this little piece of $10 furniture they gave us. We suffer sometimes because we fail to remember what the Scripture says about Jesus. Oh, how we easily forget that everything that we need to live a victorious life, we have in Jesus. He made it available to us when He rose from the grave. Let me ask you, why are you weeping? What's gotten you sad today? Like the song reads, if you've got pain, He's a pain taker. If you feel lost, He's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, He's a prison-shaking Savior. If you've got chains, He's a chain-breaker. Amen? That's Jesus. Well, the second thing Jesus said that's recorded for us in Scripture is this. He said it to Mary. Whom are you seeking? When Mary came to that tomb that morning, the truth is she was expecting to find a dead Jesus. She was expecting to find a dead body in that tomb of her Lord and Savior. And to her, there was nothing the world could offer that would satisfy 
her longing in her heart because of all that Jesus had done for her. To her, a dead Jesus was better than no Jesus at all. And so she came seeking Jesus to give him an honorable and proper burial with all the spices and everything. The world's answers to life's problems seem to have a pattern, don't they? They're not much different than they were 50 years ago. The world's answers to life's problems, first of all, probably the biggest suggestion is alcohol. Drink away your woes. You'll feel better. Prescription drug medication overuse is at an all-time high. People addicted to what the doctor's giving them for other things. People often want to get rid of their problems. They think, I just need things new. I need a new wife. I need a new husband. I need something new in my life. I just need to move away and try something different for a while. I need to escape. And so people take the escape method, the escape route, and they go somewhere new to try to make everything right. But the answer to life's problems isn't found in something. It is found in someone, and His name is Jesus. The next word that Jesus spoke we find in verse 16. What a personal word. He simply said, Mary. Jesus called Mary by name. And when he called her by name, she knew it was him. Verse 14 of John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus knew Mary, and Mary knew Jesus. He knew Moses and Elijah when they met together on the Mount of Transfiguration. He knew Saul when he called him out on the road to Damascus, and he gave him a new name. He called him Paul. And in John chapter 10, there was a feast at Jerusalem, and many Jews were there. Many of them doubting that Jesus was the Messiah. And they said to him, if you're the Christ, just tell us straight out. Tell us straight out that you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, I've already told you, but you won't believe me. And the reason you don't believe me, he said, is because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You ought to underline that in your Bible. They follow me. Well, Brother Crispin, I said a prayer. Brother Crispin, I went down to the front one Sunday, and and just like Jackson today, I was baptized. I'm a good person. I may not be all that religious, but I'm a good person, and I try to do good things for people. I'm good. I believe in God. I'm good. Jesus said, all those who belong to him hear his voice, and they follow him. And many people claim to follow Jesus, but the Bible says few actually do follow him. That broad is the gate and broad is the way, and it leads to destruction. And many are they who choose that broad road. Narrow is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life, but only a few find it. Mary's one who followed Jesus. Mary got on the narrow way. Jesus knew her by name, 
and she recognized his voice, she was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a Christ follower? Because nothing else really matters. Not your career, not your social status, not the friends that you have. If you follow Jesus, He knows you by name and that's all that really matters in this life. So the tomb was empty and hearing of this, the disciples were hiding out for fear that they may come after them. They didn't know what would happen. They didn't know what they might do. Would the priests and would the Roman soldiers come after them and take them and accuse them of stealing his body? They didn't know. What's happened to Jesus? They didn't know. They were afraid, hiding out, worried that something bad might happen. And it was at that moment that Jesus came and he stood in their midst as they were there together and he said these words. Peace be unto you. And I believe that's exactly what people are searching for today. They want peace in their hearts. John chapter 16 verse 33 quotes Jesus as saying this. These things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have what? Peace. In me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Why is that so good to know? Because we're living in the world. We need to know that Jesus has overcome the world. We need to know that the one we claim to be Lord and Savior of all really is Lord and Savior of all. That we can trust and depend on Him. Let the world have their Bill Mars. If you watch Him, I question you. Let the world have their view with Joy Behar, whatever they call her, and Stephen Hawking, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago, to go to eternity separated from God. An atheist. Let them spread their disbelief. Let them mock the risen Lord. Joy Behar has said that really we're all wackos. We're all psychos. Because we think someone has spoken to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're just crazy lunatics. Hallelujah, I'm one of them. (laughs) Paul said we ought to be fools for Christ. We preach the gospel. Christ and Him crucified. Foolish to those who are perishing, but to those who are saved, it is the power of God. Let them mock who don't follow Jesus, but to those who do, we are His sheep. We hear His voice and we follow Him. Those who do not, do not know Him. They do not listen to His voice. Thus they don't follow Him. Despite all they might say, the truth tells a different story about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was 1948. Harry Truman had become president by default because Roosevelt had died. And he decided to run for re-election and try to be the 33rd president of the United States. Running against Truman was a man named Thomas Dewey. Thomas Dewey, whom all the opinion polls predicted, would win the election by a landslide. Newsweek magazine put together a panel of 50 political experts. They predicted Dewey would win by a hundred electoral votes, more than was necessary. Life magazine ran a full-page picture of Thomas Dewey, and in the caption, they noted that he was the next president. The Chicago Tribune had their newspaper already published. Their headline read, Dewey Defeats Truman. 
A magazine in Manchester read an article entitled, Harry Truman, Study of a Failure. Needless to say, everything was looking wonderfully great for Thomas Dewey. He had all the support of the media. And on election night, he was in New York working on his victory speech. Things were looking grim for Harry Truman. He just went down to Excelsior, Missouri and stayed there taking a Turkish bath that night. It's said that he was taking that Turkish bath, eating a ham sandwich and listening to the election results on the radio. And at midnight he went to bed feeling like he was a defeated man. At 4 a.m., however, a member of the Secret Service knocked on his bedroom door and woke him up to tell him that the results of the election were in. He had won the election by more than two million votes. Despite what everyone had said about Truman, the truth told a different story. 2,000 years ago, they took Jesus off the cross and they buried him in a tomb. All the polls said that Jesus was defeated. Satan's daily sentinel said sin had won. But he posted his deadline too early. It should have been a, a giveaway, the fact that he borrowed a tomb. Who does that? Who borrows a tomb unless they're coming back and don't need it any longer? Amen? Joseph of Arimathea loaned him a tomb. And he borrowed a tomb. He said he would rise three days later. They all posted their headlines too early. They should have waited until the third day because the truth told a different story. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the tomb, just as he said. On this Easter, it matters little what everyone has to say about Jesus. What matters most is what Jesus has to say about us. What matters most is what does he have to say about you. What matters is that he knows you by name. What matters is that you've turned to him by faith and you follow him. That's all that matters. When you receive him by faith, the words of Isaiah become so vividly realized. Isaiah 26 verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Listen, Jesus gives peace. Peace be unto you, he said. There were other, few other words that Jesus shared, but this is the fourth statement that we know that he made. Peace be unto you. I like some of the things that we find in Scripture that Jesus said. We just mentioned one. He said, be of good cheer. Because he said, I've overcome the world. Don't be afraid. I've overcome the world. There's another time he said, be of good cheer. When the paralytic needed healing, he said, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. I love that. We can be of good cheer today. Because Jesus has overcome the world. We don't need to be afraid. He says, my peace I give to you. Do you have that peace? Are you here worshiping because it's Easter? And if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And so we better go to church with mama. (laughs) Are you really worshiping? 
Is this a once in a year thing for you? I hope not. I hope you're worshiping somewhere. All you visitors, I hope that you worship somewhere. If you've just come into town to worship, I hope that when you leave here, you still worship somewhere. That you're serving the risen Savior. No matter what men may say. Because the truth will come out in the end. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is risen. Does he know you by name? Church body. Sometimes I was a kid that grew up going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night children's programs, Wednesday night youth group, trips, all those different things that we took, and I went to college. A lost young man. I had, I guess I thought I was going into heaven on the, the skirt tail of my mother or hanging on to the pant leg of my dad. But at 21 years old, the Lord Jesus called me out just like he has some of you. And I had a decision to make. And that night in the fourth parking spot of the Fine Arts Building at Southwestern Oklahoma State, I could take you there today. I've taken my family there. I said, right here in a car in this parking spot, I gave my life to Jesus. And my life has never been the same. When Jesus says, peace be unto you, he gives us peace. Praise God. Jesus rose from the grave to conquer death and gives us everlasting life.